I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. In today's episode, I interview Dan Morris, who was an American Sign Language interpreter for 20 years before learning to code. Dan and I talk about the skills that he brings with him from those two decades as an interpreter to his current role as an iOS developer at Nordstrom. Give a listen. Find somebody who believes in you. Find somebody who believes that you can do this and spend time with them. Uh, And if you don't have someone, hit me up. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Dan, welcome to the show. Let's start at the beginning, shall we? Sure, let's do it, Lauren. Cool. So can you tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry? Yes. So I worked as a freelance sign language interpreter for roughly 20 years. Uh, wow. and, <laughs> yeah, and I guess uh, I'm not actually the first sign language interpreter that you've had on the show. I- am I right? That's correct. And that is so fun to kind of now have a through line happening in in the narratives because uh, Abby Tiffany came on and she, yeah, it was all about sign language skills that she learned and how she translates them to her world now in coding. Yeah, it's funny. Abby actually, I know Abby, and she oh. she actually helped helped me get my the job that I have now. Like she uh, connected me with some people that are working at Nordstrom, and uh, I love that. Yeah, small world of the it, ASL. It is a small world. Yep. It's cool. <laughs> okay, well, tell me, take me back even further. How did you decide to get involved in American Sign Language in the first place, and where did that passion come from? Um, and you know, yeah, tell me more about that. Yeah. So. From pretty young, I, I kind of discovered that I had a, I don't know if a love is the right word, or an affinity for uh, languages. And so, and I'm also a very visual person. And so okay. uh, in high school, I had a psychology class and the teacher played uh, a video for us, uh, Children of a Lesser God. It's a movie that has a deaf actress in it. And I just thought, oh, that is so cool. She She's like talking and and expressing herself, but she's mm-hmm. not using language. Like she's doing it in a visual way. That's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was fascinating. Uh, fast forward a couple of years, I'm in community college and not really sure what to study. I went in as a music major and uh, the particular school that I was at did not have like a real compelling music program. And so okay. uh, yeah, I guess I, you could say I lost interest in kind of left you wanting more. Yeah, I lost interest in studying music and not to mention like just I am not like a talented musician. I like it, but it's not something that I'm naturally uh, gifted at. What and was so, your instrument of choice? Well, I was actually hoping to become a choir teacher. I just have really oh, bad cool. rhythm and I can't really sing in tune very well. So it's like, it's not a really good field for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it. But yeah, okay. it's, yeah it's I can relate fun. to that. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I was just kind of looking for something else and okay. I took a bunch of classes and I thought, well, I've only got like 15 hours or whatever. I can take one more class. So 
I was looking through the catalog and I saw that we had a sign language class and I thought, oh, well, that would be fun. I could like okay. learn to talk with my hands like that girl in that movie and that would be cool. Well, when I did that, uh, it, it was probably halfway through the first semester. I was like, oh, this is incredible. Like, I yeah. love this. Being able to mm. uh, express something in three dimensions is vastly like fundamentally different from expressing yourself in two dimensions and yeah just wanting to to push push deeper into that i ended up switching schools getting a bachelor's degree in sign language interpreting and i uh, had a yeah like a really good career doing that so i have a question about curriculum wise for that so there was a track that you could pursue for that and it would in the classes essentially is in any language curriculum, do you just kind of level up each time to more complexities and deeper knowledge of it? Yeah. So the school that I ended up at where I got my bachelor's degree from kind of split the the track into two parts. So you had two years, which isn't very much time to learn the language, but you had two years oh. uh, to really focus on learning American Sign Language. And then okay. the next two years were more focused on learning the the process of interpreting, which is like, you think, oh, well, you just know these two languages. You just oh do that. Gosh. Right. But like, you're <laughs> actually not as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> pretty mentally taxing. Like you're, you're actually uh, laying two language processes on top of each other and kind of running them simultaneously. And so it, yeah, it takes a lot of, a lot of practice and study. Okay. So then you finished the program, pursued interpretation work. Yeah, that's right. Um, most people don't become a freelancer right away. It may be more common now, but back in the day, it was pretty uncommon to to just start freelancing. But I happened to get certified like between my junior and senior year of college, and so having having like that piece of paper that says like I've passed some minimum level of uh, mm -hmm. skill, yeah, opened opened up doors to me that. Uh, a lot of people may not have. And so basically I hit the ground running right after, right after I finished and yeah, I was working 20, 30 hours a week, which for a freelance interpreter is pretty well full time because you've got, doesn't include like driving time and the time you spend billing and the time you spend actually taking the job. And back then, sure. uh, like GPS, um, it may have been a thing, but I mean, this is, this is the year 2000 and I, I didn't okay. have a GPS. So I would like, <laughs> okay. I would, I, I bought a Palm pilot though. I was like the techiest interpreter around. I bought a, I bought a Palm oh. pilot and I would go to MapQuest and I would copy the directions and paste them over into the notes of the calendar appointment and, my, and then sync it, sync it to my Palm pilot sure, sure, and then sure. use that for directions. Yeah. It was Palm funny. pilot. Gosh, my mom had a Palm <laughs> pilot. Yeah. I Gosh, that's really bringing me back. Oh my, yeah, yes. sure. So it sounds like there was an interest in tech there, but it was a hobby or side thing. It wasn't your full time. And you went Definitely. all in on the interpretation work. And, you know, it seems as I mean, 20 years worth of work is substantial. And I'm sure it took you lots of places. We connected on Twitter and the person that nominated you to be on the podcast said he has been a sign language interpreter in, in China. Is that correct? Yeah. So toward the end of my career as a sign language interpreter, I actually had an opportunity to go to China and do some research on, I mean, learn Chinese, spoken Chinese, Mandarin Chinese, and then also cool. uh, do some research on 
uh, Chinese Sign Language and Deaf Culture in China. And so I didn't actually oh work God. as an interpreter over there. I mean, okay, obviously, but did the like, research for it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So I did spend some time in China and that was, uh, yeah, that was just yeah. a really interesting adventure and probably a story for another show. <laughs> okay. No, it's fascinating. I mean, it's yeah. so interesting to think of, um, you know, so many events require or, you know, have a need for this sort of interpretation work. So it's probably a really cool way to see a lot of different industries, a lot of different subcultures. I'm just, it probably could open a door to a lot of different places. That's kind of what I mean. It definitely did that. I mean, besides uh, being able to go to China, I have interpreted on cruise ships. Uh, I've interpreted <laughs> for like an Alaskan cruise. Um, I've, sure. I've interpreted for uh, the auto show. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like this big goofy guy standing up next to the model who's like showing off the the whatever, the six-cylinder engine on the new Pontiac something or other. Uh, but I'm doing this like, here. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like I'm staying in like this fancy, fancy hotel in New York City. And oh my uh, gosh. yeah, it was fun. Okay. So take me then to how on earth did you decide to learn to code and how exactly did you learn it? Like, where did that come from? It seems like a totally um, different direction uh, to pursue. It was a pivot. Yeah. A pivot. Um, a pivot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, yeah, it was kind of convoluted the way that it worked out, but okay. I found like as a freelance interpreter, you know, you have a lot of administrative tasks mm -hmm. that you have to do. Yeah. And You're running a business. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we've already covered the fact that like, I like computers and around 2008, I bought my first Apple laptop. Okay. And had some other friends who were like kind of, I don't want to say fanboys, but like they were into their Apple computers as well. And you were in uh, that, you, your community was filled with folks that were also kind of tinkering. Yep. Yep. And so Got like it. started listening to like Mac podcasts and stuff mm. like that. And actually, now that I think about it, it was earlier than 08. It was, it must've been 06 because it was before the iPhone okay. came out for sure. Anyway, I just started looking at how can I, how can I automate? They're talking about all this automation stuff and I'm like, Oh, interesting. So yeah, what does that mean? How do I do that? Yeah. I yeah, exactly. I started, started getting into that, like learned just enough to, to write like, you know, these like eight line Python scripts that would like go and get my, my contacts off of my iPad and like filter out the ones that have certain tags in the notes or something like that. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, so applicable, but also kind of let you begin exploring in that space. Very cool. Yep. Yep. And then basically I just use that tool that I made for like the next four or five years and <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> didn't do anything more with it really like that, that satisfied yeah, that you. particular need. But I found that that process of making something and having it persist was really compelling for me because as an interpreter, you know, you walk into a doctor's appointment and you interpret mm -hmm. and everybody leaves and there's a sense in which you have nothing to show for it. It just, it's ephemeral. It goes away. You know what I huh. mean? Yeah. Uh, it's an experience. It happened. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. I hadn't, I would never have thought of it that way. Sure, but this, this tool that I, that I made for like the business side of things, mm-hmm. I could use it over and over and over and over again. And, right. The pattern of it. Sure. Uh, oh, that cool. was, that was just really, really compelling to me. The fact that it, it was still around after, and I'm still using it today. Like I don't use oh. it that often anymore, but on occasion I'll, I'll pull my iPad out and do, sure. yeah, do some stuff. So Very anyway, cool. Uh, so that got me <laughs> that got me interested, and yeah, that um, piqued the curiosity of it. Okay. Yeah, and then let's see. So enjoyed that, and decided to push into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started. I went through. Oh, here's another thing. My kids are super good at math. I'm not really good at math, uh, but <laughs> somehow, uh, maybe it's, I must attribute it to my wife, I guess. Uh, my, my, <laughs> but cool to see them succeeding at it. Yeah, I love yeah, that. They're good at math. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, they're good at math. What does that mean? Like they need, they can become like scientists or like computer people or I don't know, like what is even a mathematician? I don't know. So let's, let's kind of aim our kids toward becoming computer programmers. And so I, along with the kids, started playing around with, like these procedural thinking kind of games, like lead the robot through the through the maze and light up the squares, whatever. Uh, but sure. That led to Swift Playgrounds, mm. uh, and then eventually I started learning some stuff on Treehouse. It's like an online bootcamp kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I learned a little bit there, and through that was actually I got like my first app on the App Store. Um, oh my gosh it's yeah, very simple it's not like like there's no user input at all it's just kind of like it is what it is and you press a button and it it does a thing and and you get the like the output um and then after that i enrolled in lambda school and they had an ios track at the time and so i went through lambda's ios track and learned just a ton about uh yeah. uh being an iOS developer and then like fundamentals of computer science. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's kind of like where the interest started all the way through how I actually gained the skills that I use every day today. Today. Yeah. I'm so curious about the part in which you decide to go all in on it. And because Lambda School, is it full time? It is. Yeah. Okay. So you have to kind of like walk away from the the paid job and take this risk to, you know, enroll in a 10 month long course or curriculum, you know, how do you, where does that courage come from that you say, I want to do this and I'm going to do it. Cause that is the leap of faith that I think a lot of folks, you know, are nervous about, or there's some trepidation around. Yeah. You know, I'm really privileged in that my wife is also a sign language interpreter. Um, Oh, get out. When did we you two meet through that, I love we that. <laughs> we actually did. Yeah, we we met oh at a workshop God. and we worked together Stop. at the workshop. And we're like, wow, we make a pretty good team. And we just kind of kept uh, kept hanging it's out. And then... movie. I love it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's awesome. She's a better interpreter than I am. Uh, she's uh, just she's a better person than I am. <laughs> she's, she's the best. So great. I see. So yeah. she continued with the with the business then, and kind of like ran, kept the lights on in that space for you to kind of pursue this. Yeah, I I would say probably I'm more like the business person, and she's 
she's more uh, the uh, laborer, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that goes into the conversation. Hello, We Belong Here listeners. Today's episode is sponsored by the new We Belong Here Discord community. I recently have been thinking about ways to continue the conversation with guests after each episode, to foster our community, share resources, and stay connected to both the guests and listeners. And I'm excited because we've created a We Belong Here Discord server. What is Discord, you might be asking? Well, it's a voice, video, and text communication service to talk and hang out with your friends and communities. I know, neat, right? It will be a place for us to connect, share resources, mentor, and build community together. Everyone is welcome, and it promises to be an incredibly inclusive space. It's important to me that everyone has an inclusive community where everyone feels welcome and supported. And this could be yours. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in joining, please do. The link to join is bit.ly slash WeBelongDiscord. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash WeBelongDiscord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Or find a link in my bio on Twitter or Instagram at Coding. I'm super excited to see you there. Yeah, it's it's highly skilled work, but she, she does oh my she gosh. does the work, and I take care of like the administrative stuff poorly most Yay. of the time. <laughs> but <laughs> I got you. So then you were able to. That's great. No, I think that that's it is it takes like sacrifice in you know families etc. for someone to you know pursue this because it becomes very consuming and you have to kind of go all in on the learning process and kind of other things and responsibilities and whatnot mm-hmm. kind of yeah. move to the wayside. And it's definitely something to be prepared for. And I think folks considering programs need to just at the very least be aware of it uh, and, you know, ask, you know, what sort of support systems those programs have and kind of dive into that if necessary. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And there were some other factors too. Like we were moving back from China uh and didn't really have like a place to live and my wife's sister and her family were like we have a big house why don't you just move in with us and so kind yeah Yeah. so we brought our three teenagers and and us two and we're like two entire families living in a single house and so yeah we were able to keep really low expenses um it was not it was not easy i mean and i had fits and starts too lambda school is they treated me really well where when I was just dealing with life and couldn't handle that in addition to school, they let me step away for a couple of months, mm-hmm. get get things kind of handled and then come back. And Got it. Uh, yeah. And so now oh, I'm that's great. working as a developer. So I'm yeah. yeah, congratulations. You're a mobile application engineer at Nordstrom now. Congratulations. That Thank is you. Incredible. Uh, I'm a big fan of their tech and the folks that are there. My curiosities then are, of course, do you end up using the skills that you learned in this, you know, 20 years, this, this chunk of time in the ASL community? Uh, does that translate to the world today or are you starting from scratch? Some of both. Uh, like. Sure. <laughs> 
like running my own business, That's like a real answer. You, you have to, <laughs> you have to be a self-starter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Good you, point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you, you have to have a work ethic and some discipline and specifically as a sign language interpreter, I think I'd like to think that I developed an intuition for uh, like when I was not as clear as I would like to be in whatever I'm trying to express. Um, mm. And so that communication piece of it. Sure. Like how yeah. do I deliver exactly what I'm trying to explain in the simplest way, but also yeah. still capture the larger context. Right. Right. And just kind of like, just keeping a sense of like, are we on the same page or are we starting to diverge <laughs> in what we think we're talking about here? Yeah. Uh, and so I find that super useful in my work today. Yeah. Can you tell me more about what you do um, as a mobile application engineer? Yeah. So uh, that's a little more general term than what I actually do. I actually work on the iOS application yeah. for, for Nordstrom. And so. Right. Because you did the iOS program at Lambda. Yeah. And you didn't have right. to do that. Like, I know Nordstrom hires a lot of a lot of new people that like just learned web development and maybe have just dabbled a little bit in iOS. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I'm a little bit of an oddball in like coming in with like only <laughs> iOS experience track. and no yeah. JavaScript yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Cool. No, that sounds really interesting. You know, in the day in, day out of things, I, I wonder if like skills that you learn being your own business owner and having, you know, lived in this world of interpretation for so long, do you notice that it kind of differentiates you from your coworkers who may have taken a more traditional route to tech? Well, I find that my age differentiates me. <laughs> well, actually, that's, you know, I, I always wonder, like, how do we tackle those moments when we feel like an outsider? How do we how do we handle those moments in the workplace? So that kind of speaks to that. Interesting. Yeah. How, ooh, that's yeah, that's tough because sometimes like the I don't know, they're like young pups, it feels like. Yeah. And like the people who have like who are like, you know, the the old the old guys or the old gals or whatever the people who've been at it for quite a while at work are like my age or mm -hmm. maybe a couple of years younger than i am mm -hmm. <laughs> and here mm -hmm. i am like like literally the new guy uh but like in every way the new guy um, the new guy right yeah sure but still like older than they are so yeah it's Okay. So how do you tackle that? Like, what are, what are tips for those that are listeners and thinking, you know, it's too late to make the pivot and, uh, you know, cause that's a big, that's a, that's a fear factor for some people. And, you know, they've pursued something for 20 years. It's too late to make the change. What do you say to that? Uh, well, I guess I would just say that I'm living proof that it's definitely not, <laughs> not too late to make the change. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of like, are you too old? I, I feel like, like, or how do I handle that feeling of, yeah. you know, kind of being different? For me, uh, I think it's just a matter, for me, what works is to just own it and just say, mm -hmm. like, I was talking uh, <laughs> with one of my coworkers the other day and the year I was born came up and he's like, well, you could tell you kind of was like, whoa. <laughs> and for me, I just felt like, the the best way is just to own it say yep right. I'm, I'm an old guy but here i am <laughs> and i'm still i'm still learning so right and you're like and i still have a question about how that works so can we go back to that <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I applaud that. I think that's incredible. And yeah, I think there is, um, it is, it shouldn't be a fear factor. And so I think just to like roll through it and be like, okay, cool. Acknowledge it and moving on is a, is definitely a tactic. I think it's really smart. Can you, can you share any life lessons you've learned from your transition to tech? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> mostly, mostly just like cliches, but you know, cliches <laughs> are cliche for a reason. It's, it's reason. because true, true, there's, true. there's truth to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, first of all, I would say don't give up. Uh, mm. I, I kind of talked about like the many different ways that I, that I studied and every one of them was going to be like the way that I learned software. And mm-hmm. it turns out it wasn't the way that I learned software and I just kept going. And eventually I, I got through because I didn't mm-hmm. give up, but I could absolutely have never come back. Uh, you know, when I stopped doing Treehouse or when I stopped doing Lambda the first time, uh, I could sure. absolutely, have, it would have been easy to not, to not come back at that point. Yeah. And be like, you know what? It's not the path for me. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I feel like a big factor in like not giving up is Mm -hmm. to have a community, to have people who believe in you that you can, that you can talk with. The, the piece that you mentioned earlier about Abby, who is also in the ASL community, who's been on the podcast before, who is she still at Nordstrom? No, she has moved on to Google. Oh, get it, girl. Yeah. 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 Um, Anyhow, no, I think that that like really speaks to, you know, um, use your use your community and lean on them in a way of, you know, for support. And but also, you know, when you're looking for a role and ask for help and do practice interviews and those things of that sort. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's such an asset. And I think it's important to encourage that. Definitely. Yep. And that's another life lesson is mm-hmm. uh, slash cliche is uh, it's not who <laughs> you know. I'm sorry. It's not what you know. It's who you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I would never have run across the people that I would have needed to if I hadn't first met Abby. And the way I met mm-hmm. Abby was like offering help to somebody else on, on like a Slack channel. And so, yeah, just put yourself out there and be open to, to meeting people and pursue mm-hmm. every opportunity to Sure. Get to know someone because you never know you might end up marrying them or Aww. they might help you get a job you know <laughs> i love it absolutely yeah. uh the first person i interviewed on this podcast ended up messaging me a few weeks afterwards saying hey i think you'd be a perfect fit for this role and it is where i am now and i'm so grateful for it so yeah that it's all awesome. interconnected and absolutely i think you know naming what you're searching for when you are reaching out to someone too as opposed to just like hey can we chat or we be my mentor but like hey can you help me prep for this interview or take a look at my resume i think that's a helpful Mm -hmm. tip also that's good yeah uh, i'm so glad to have met you and chat with you today do you have any final advice for those wanting to transition also into tech that you can share final advice uh let's see (laughs) well yeah here's final from it (laughs) uh, here's 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 my final advice find somebody who believes in you find somebody who believes that you can do this and spend time with them. Uh, and if you don't have someone, hit me up. I, I love seeing yeah. folks. Uh, I love seeing folks grow in this. I love seeing, especially like early on, seeing people learning these early concepts and and, yep. and grasping them. The light bulb like, moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And so, um, 
yeah, I mean, I have a ton of opinions about how to prepare for interviews and, and that kind of thing. Not that they're, like, <laughs> correct opinions, but I have opinions that like, sure, sure, sure. people can decide to run with or not. But uh, sure. yeah, I love I love helping people mm-hmm. that are getting into the field. Thank so, you. Yeah. Well, well, Dan, make your shout out. What would you like listeners to go check out? Yeah, I think if there's anything I would like people to check out, it's uh, an organization that I'm a part of with uh, Rick, the guy who actually recommended me on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, and it's Underdog Devs. And we have a Twitter. I believe it is Underdog Devs. Yep. Or, yep. or at Underdog Devs. Uh, I can include the out. link in the show notes for sure. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I'm just really bad at remembering these things. Uh, no, no, no. How did you get involved with them? Because they are a group of software developers supporting the formerly incarcerated and disadvantaged in their transition to tech, right? Wow, you just said exactly what I was going to say. Awesome job. No, it's perfect. I love it. I am a big um, advocate for and obsessed with Unloop, also based in Seattle area. Uh, or actually, I don't know where Underdog Devs is, but um, in the Pacific Northwest, there's also Unloop that does kind of uh, classes and whatnot. But um, yeah, tell me about Underdog Devs. Oh, cool. I'll have to look into Unloop as well. Um, So Underdog Devs is at this point, like we don't have like a headquarters or anything like that. It's kind of just Rick is an awesome networker. uh, And so he's been able to, and I mean, this is kind of Rick's story, but he's, he's in touch with a lot of uh, formerly incarcerated folks. And so he's brought some of them together and he's brought a bunch of developers together. And um, just in the last couple of weeks, I've spent time like matching up developers with with uh people who are looking to get into the field uh as, as in like mentor mentee relationships and okay, so cool. like it kind of feels like underdog devs is actually starting to do what we what we set out to do in connecting these people and helping folks to grow their network and grow their skills and just uh just Amazing. like reinforce the the good choices that they're making after having made uh, and had the consequences for some bad choices that they made earlier on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll get him on the show then too, for sure. That's an important cause. And yeah, I appreciate you kind of shouting it out and sharing it. And I will include in the show notes, as I said, uh, for folks to get involved and learn more. Awesome. Uh, and where can people find you online, Dan? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> At Dan okay. and Amy is, is my Twitter handle. It's D-A-N-A-N-D-A-M-I. Uh, that's my wife's name. Uh, let's see, but I haven't really been on Twitter much the last few weeks and I've kind of enjoyed just the little break the, from it. The piece. Yeah. Like not like, like, sure. With, with, I can understand I don't know. that. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's always something to do when you're willing to look at Twitter. And mm-hmm. so you never get that, like, you never get to that place where you're like, Hmm, I'm bored. I'm going to like make something. Uh, so anyway and, never like, and i'm all caught up yeah yeah sure. but uh if you at me or Perfect. I, that's a good way to reach out and get some support if folks have questions or kind of want to learn more from you yeah or hit me up on linkedin that's fine awesome. i i'm on linkedin yeah. fairly often and so we can find other ways to communicate from Amazing. there so. i will again include all of those links in the show notes and Again, Dan, thank you for sharing your story and sharing advice and wisdom. Congrats on the job at Nordstrom. Just so excited to see what you achieve in this world of tech. 
Awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for having me on and thank you for this show. I think that this is really important and I think it's helpful for, for folks. So I hope so. I sure do hope so. But uh, yeah, thank you. I hope you have a great day. Yep. Thanks for doing it. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And that's a wrap on today's episode. I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, find me on Twitter at Lolo Coding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.